Good morning. It's August 3rd. The run of pleasant weather in New York City is continuing. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. For a second day, the indictment of Donald Trump on January 6th related charges takes up the whole top of the front page in the New York Times, even though there's substantially less to say about it on the second day. Across two columns on the top right, the headline is, First Amendment is likely linchpin of Trump defense. The online version of that story is making people angry. Thanks to the alternative headline, Trump election charges set up clash of lies versus free speech. Either way, there's not much in the story. Since the indictment itself quite explicitly noted that Donald Trump would have had every right to express whatever crackpot beliefs or false claims about the election he pleased, had he not been using those claims to advance a criminal conspiracy to overthrow the election result. So various pro-Trump hacks went on the record pretending not to have heard that part, and the Times wrote down the variously empty and irrelevant things that they said and put them in print. And despite the splashy treatment that the resulting story got in the paper paper, I had to rummage around pretty far and side-scroll on a story gallery to even find it on the homepage this morning. In implicit testimony to how little the story adds to anyone's understanding of events, the illustration is a Reuters photograph of a printout of the indictment lying on a table. Just a stack of paper. On the left-hand side of the front page, Mike Pence's role in the indictment and the indictment narrative wins a verbless headline, Pence's journey from key ally to key witness. The subhead is where the fun is at, seeking to thread the narrowest of needles, it says, as it turns from the stentorian voice of instant history to the current events comedy of Pence fumbling to find a position that could somehow magically reconcile his non-participation in the coup with his desire to win over Republican primary voters as an alternative to Trump without opposing or disparaging Trump. Good luck with that, Mike Pence. In between those two stories and down on the fold, there is an extraordinary moment in New York Times news writing. Under the headline, Six Unnamed Co-Conspirators in Limbo for Now, the Times writes about the easily identified yet unnamed Trump lawyers, including Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, and Sidney Powell, whose efforts to overthrow the election are clearly described in special counsel Jack Smith's indictment, but who are not themselves indicted, leading to a paragraph saying, the lawyer's placement at the heart of the plot while remaining uncharged, for now, raised questions about why Mr. Smith chose to bring the indictment with Mr. Trump as the sole defendant. That's right. It did raise questions. Instead of using the phrase raised questions to mean demonstrated something that the New York Times is uncomfortable stating plainly as a factual observation, here the paper is using it in the literal, non-euphemistic sense. Something happened, or in the case of the indictments, didn't happen, and nobody's quite sure what it means, and so people are asking questions to try to figure out what it means and what might come next. For comparison, directly below it, a story about the failure so far of the would-be Ukrainian counteroffensive against the Russian invasion says that Ukraine's lack of battlefield success raises questions about the quality of the training the Ukrainians received from the West and about whether tens of billions of dollars worth of weapons, including nearly $44 billion worth from the Biden administration, have been successful in transforming the Ukrainian military into a NATO standard fighting force. There we have the classic Timesian usage of raises questions, to mean provides answers. In other coverage that actually does raise questions, albeit without that magical word formula, page A7 reports that Xi Jinping 
has removed the top two officials from the rocket force, the branch of the People's Liberation Army in charge of China's nuclear weapons, replacing them, the story says, with outsiders with no experience in the nuclear force. Earlier this summer, the story notes, she also replaced his foreign minister with no explanation. All of which raises a lot of questions, none of which questions China seems inclined to answer. Also raising questions is the appearance in the international section one day after the Times reported on Iran calling a two-day holiday in response to the ongoing heat wave there of a five-reporter story undermining, if not contradicting, that report under the headline, a sudden, quote, heat, unquote, holiday in Iran, but residents aren't buying it, in which the Times writes that Iranians and experts alike quickly discerned another unspoken reason for the enforced holiday. Iran simply does not have enough natural gas or a strong enough power grid to keep all the lights on, despite sitting on the second largest reserves of natural gas in the world. The story goes on to explain or assert that the inadequacy of the power grid is the result of Western sanctions, or rather, as the story has it, the result of the government's unwillingness to capitulate to Western sanctions. Iran's government, it says, dominated by hardliners, has resisted bowing to international pressure in return for sanctions relief, giving up the economic boost that doing so might bring, even if it means Iranians continue to suffer. The takeaway here is that, yes, it is overwhelmingly hot, but it's worth running a whole follow-up story to remind the readers of the Times that Iran is also a bad country. I have some questions about this, starting with why. Two different stories report that COVID cases are rising, one about the national rise and one about New York, and researchers have found that leprosy appears to be endemic in Florida. And ABC News reports that two dead bodies have now been found entangled in the floating barrier that Texas Governor Greg Abbott, in the hopes it would make would-be migrants struggle in the water. Congratulations to Greg Abbott on getting the result he was trying for. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and we will talk again tomorrow.